My name is Jasmine Perez. I am over Hokage CEO. I am a graphic designer and a business analyst. And I'll let that be it. But it is me. Hopefully you can see. <laughs> this. This, 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 is, this is Diversified, diversified game, game, game. Game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose. And it's more than just race. It's about, you know, ideas. So let the game begin. It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have the wonderful, I mean, this woman, she is the most positive person that I believe I've met thus far, and others. I've met her because we work with the same client. She's a graphic designer at the highest level. There are no $500 packages with this woman, and when she joined the team, I had to reach out because that's my job to kind of know in case there's ever a problem with this client. And I just was like, who is this person? Like we all need in our life. And so she's more than a graphic designer. She is um, a in, inspirational speaker. I mean, the things that she can do and as a business analyst, she has insight to things that her experience at a very top level. I'm going to let her tell us all about it. I have Jasmine Perez. Jasmine, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I am phenomenal. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on and bracing us with your, you know, I know it's going to be a positive time. If, if you came out and you started cursing, I'd be like, dang, hold on, she made me a lie. <laughs> but, but I know that's not going to happen, but I need people to hear your story so they can be inspired too and feel the same energy and the vibe. Just let's start from the beginning of your career. How did you get to where you are as a business analyst, as a marketing strategist, as a graphic designer, and just an awesome human being? Well, of course, art was always my passion, and I loved anything that was funny and made me laugh, so I just gravitated to cartoons and all of that. Now, I did grow up in a very toxic environment. This is not the so pretty part, but we'll get to the victories later on. But uh, my environment was very, very unique growing up. So I needed an escape. And drawing and creating graphics came to me at a very young age. And I actually worked in L.A. for a little while because my art somehow transferred to faces. And I started working with models. And it was very humbling to travel the world and be a stylist for a little while. But yes, I started drawing at a very, very young age. And everyone would tell me, oh, this is so great. And I was like, you guys, this is trash. My art is trash. But it really, um, I was able to express myself through what I did. And I still do that to this day. So that's one of the main little brackets that really made me who I was, like, from when I was younger. <laughs> now, when you, you, you started drawing, um, Give us, was it on a, um, you know, were you pencil and pad? Were you stenciling out? Or were you, did you jump already and have like a Wonkom uh, tablet so you could, you know, make digital art? Where'd you start? 
I started drawing when I was like six. Of course, there was no tablet. There was just me and my imagination, paper, friends. I would draw tattoos on my friends and their parents would be angry because I would draw them in permanent marker and they would come home with Winnie the Pooh on their arm. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I did not become a tattoo artist, but yes, whatever. Walls, uh, people would pay me to do murals, graffiti, whatever it was throughout the course of my life between six and like 16 it was just whatever i could paint i would and then of course as i got older people started doing digital art i didn't know what that was so i would scan what i would draw and i would use my scanner i would upload it and there was this place called deviant art i'm not sure if it still exists but i would put my art there and people would encourage me so then after time went on I just met some fabulous people and they love my spirit. And they're like, we need you to work with us. Like you have great work, but that's like secondary. We just want you around. And that kept spreading. And I'm like, you guys, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm uh, okay. I don't know what I could bring to the table other than myself, but I will be there. And I just started to work with different companies and I worked with Mercedes Benz and I've been all over the globe. I've worked with companies outside of the country, all these corporations. I'm like, why do you guys want me? But I really do love what I do. I love art and I'm able to analyze things. I think that also came from my very unique uh, background because I had to know what was coming next in order to protect myself. Mm. Now, the arts, you know, and how uh, trauma and a lot of drama can inspire things. Some people cannot even create without, you know, a, a toxic environment, which can be scary. Can you talk about some of that trauma in, in the drama? I, I know that, you know, it, it can start with, you know, the beginning and how, you know, you, your father, that the relationship with the father and the mother is very important with the child. So can you talk about some of that to um, let people know they aren't alone? Of course. So when I was younger, of course, like um, a lot of my friends, my father left when I was, ooh, what was I, maybe like a year or two years old, but it wasn't normal circumstances. He left because he already had a family. I was a child that was born while my, my, um, my father was a husband to another woman. And it wasn't my mom. So I don't really know how to explain this weird stuff. But my mother, I guess you could say she was the side piece. <laughs> but she ended up getting pregnant with me. These were not young individuals. These were like 40-year-old people. So when I came along, it was a shocker to my father. He, did, he wasn't really happy. I, I won't say he didn't want me. But he wasn't happy. My mother was mortified. Like, how did my body even do this? My sister, who was 20 years older and the only child, was just, oh, she was angry at my mother. She was angry at the situation and she hated me. And of course, all of my father's actual children, I guess you could call them actual children, um, they were much older and they all hated me. There were three already. And it was like I was breaking up the families permanently. And I was just confusion, a bundle of little confusion. So when I grew up, I could feel that animosity. 
And even though I was a child, I remember commentary. You should have never been born. You are just worthless. You're going to grow up and be a shame. And just, we just hate you. I remember that. I remember um, a man in my life telling me how ugly I was and I was three years old and I just didn't have any protection. I didn't know how to protect myself and I didn't understand boundaries. I also had been kidnapped when I was younger. Um, my mother and father would spar like this is Sparta. So there would be knives that were like the side, like butcher, butcher knives would be covered with blood all around my home. Um, gunshots were not uncommon. Um, I could still go to my mother's house and see like gunshots from where my dad just lost it. He also pointed a gun at my mother's head and said, if you don't get your sister, which was my aunt, duh, if you don't get your sister out of this house, because I don't like her, called her an expletive. I'm trying to be very, very careful with my words, people. Um, if you don't get her out of this house, I'm going to kill you and that child. And I'm like, I, I just, uh, I took in so much toxic negativity that I promised myself. I remember I was crying. I did not believe in God. I was a kid who just felt like I was made to be abused. And oh yeah. And I was also sexually abused. I, I won't get into that, but there was just so much brokenness. And I felt like I couldn't speak to anyone. I couldn't talk to anyone. And of course my art started to reflect that, um, it got really dark, but it helped me to not become a dark person. I got it out through my art. So I encourage any artists who are going through like this dark phase and you're drawing all these morbid, twisted things and people are like, oh my gosh, that's demonic. Sometimes you have to express yourself to get out the hurt and the trauma, especially if you're younger, because you don't have another option. Okay, so I want to encourage you to just, you know, keep going and all of that. But back to the story. Uh, as I got older, I got surrounded by people who could have pulled me into the streets hardcore, but I decided to do a lot of damage myself. So I could go deep into me, um, getting into alcohol and all these other things, but they were so short lived because God had a calling on my life. He just needed for me to be able to understand anybody who was hurting. And when I tell you, I can understand your local witch. I can understand your local alcoholic. I can understand someone who's been uh, sexually abused from a very young age and doesn't have anyone to talk to and isn't close to their family. I can understand so many people. So it makes me uh, connect in a new way. And I'm just filled with love and positivity towards individuals because I can comprehend what they may or may not be telling, you know, other people. I can just look in their eyes and I can see that. But yeah, I remember just saying, God, I want to be positive. Once I finally just was at my wit's end and I didn't believe in him, I was like, I just want to be positive. And he did some things with that. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and and with that positivity, I mean, in this world, you can be so vulnerable because people are so, you know, just ready to take advantage of someone positive. But, you know, I know that you, and, and, and a lot of folks like yourself, you know, they would find um, it would be they would find someone who was just like their dad. Right. But you are married. And, you know, with that, getting over all those humps, 
how did you not take it over to your marriage and be like, you know, I'm going to make you pay? Because now once you sign that ring and that dotted line, you're kind of connected, right? And um, therapists will say, oh, um, you're using that person as a sounding board. Like, how did that, that relationship and, you know, keep intact, especially with you being a business person? Um, I don't know if Perez is your maiden name, but if it's not... <laughs> Hispanic guys get a a, a, a hard um, they get a hard uh, rap for being machismo, just like African men. Like you can't be working and doing that. You're working too much. Like how has that relationship from your childhood now to adulthood? How has that impacted you um, in your marriage? Well, what I'll say is this: I realized that hurt never solved anything. When I was very young, I noticed that the people who were hurting me obviously had been hurt. And you also have to think that I saw generational curses form where my mother would act just like her mother, but she wouldn't notice it. And it was the weirdest thing. I'd just be like, wait, you you just cried because your mother said this to you. And then you turn around and you say the exact same thing to me. That's not healthy. And even though I was a child, I understood. I understood that. Okay. I understood that. So when I started to live my life, and um truth be told i didn't want to be married i saw oh people got abused a lot around me my sister had the most toxic marriage she's still married she's still married to the individual sorry um but yeah she just would get called out of her name and it was emotional abuse and he never really laid hands on her but i almost wish he would have because that would have given her something to look at and just say, okay, I have to get out of this. But you know how it works when you can't see the trauma. But um, yeah, when it came down to me, I was like, I don't have to repeat these patterns. And I told you the analyst part of me started because of the trauma, because I could forecast, okay, it's Wednesday. I know that my sister will be acting this way and my mother will be acting this way. So when it came down to marketing and art, I'm like, well, this is what's going to be happening in March because this is what we've already seen a pattern of over the past couple of years. So I've just been able <laughs> to just like use what hurt to move forward. But marriage was easy because I was like, I put down all of the things that I could pick up to hurt someone. And I genuinely will not utilize those tools. I will only use positivity and love and I did a lot of soul searching. I had to read books. Oh my gosh. This is from a very young age too. I really just decided I wanted to be a different type of human being. And I wanted to max out the bars of life. If you play video games, <laughs> I wanted to just max out my life and just be um, positive in everything, loving in everything, giving in everything. And I knew that God would cover um all of those expenses, if you will. So yeah, I just decided to be different. And as far as the macho thing, everything is based on the individual. Everybody has their own upbringing and their own life that they had to really live in. So you could get to the most macho individual and have a conversation and you could find out that they were a broken child. And then they will let their guard down with you and you two can be perfectly fine. Now you can then work on the macho thing um, as you grow in your friendship, but everything came because something happened. Everything exists because of something prior. There's no bad people. I genuinely believe in all honesty. Well, 
there could be people that do some sinister stuff, but I'm one of those weird people that believe that we don't fight against flesh and blood. So if someone's doing something and it's really malicious, it's the spirit operating through them because of something that happened to them maybe generations ago or maybe something that happened to them in their day-to-day life. So I try not to treat anybody with malice, no matter who they are or what they have going on with them. Um, people are genuinely just people. And, you know, that that's how I look at life. And it's not a typical or common thing. I'm used to that. But eh, what are you going to do? You keep living and doing what you're doing because it's working for you. Now, you definitely are different because, you know, you can do it in this language and many others as a polygot. So what part of, when did you say, you know what, I'm going to just start learning languages and practicing. And you guys, I have heard her, she can do some, some, some voiceover that will have you like, wow, it might have you like, wait, hold on. Let me see her some more. Is she really that dark? Or, you know, let me see her eyes. But, um, you know, whether it's in an Asian language or if it's in, you know, another language, it can have you kind of rolling because you know how to do your voice. And I'm I'm really pushing for her own podcast, YouTube, and willing to go on that journey to, you know, give my two cents. But when did you start learning the language and what was the first one? Oh, the first one was Japanese because of anime, anime, Dragon Ball Z. Okay, so here's the story. With Dragon Ball Z and anime, I actually was about 13 years old, and the brother on my father's side, y'all try to stay with me. I know it's a lot of family mismatch stuff going on. I'm trying to keep it together. So uh, as I mentioned beforehand, my dad had other children when I arrived and I kind of messed up that family dynamic a little bit but the brother I had two sisters and a brother on my dad's side and my brother he showed up when I was 13 years old on my doorstep looking kind of like me but he was tall and dark and I was scared because I'd never seen like I come from a family of women so I wasn't even really used to seeing men that have that type of stature I'm like okay who is this warrior somebody help there's a man at the door and he was like i'm your brother i'm like you're not my i don't know you and i'm at this age where i'm very defensive like bro i don't know you i really don't and i got really nervous and he was like no actually um do you mind if i come in and i called my mom she was like you know gone on and let lonnie in i'm like lonnie who is lonnie so I'm just so confused and I'm scared. And this gigantic man is like, um, so I know you don't know me, but I decided to put um, bad things to bed and just, you know, come and meet you finally. And I'm like, okay. And he was like, well, I bought something for us to watch. I brought this Dragon Ball Z uh, video. I don't know whether you're into anime or not. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. I don't know who you are. What is this? So uh, my first time meeting this guy, I think he was like 30 at the time. And I was like 13. Uh, He put in this VCR uh, VHS thing into our VHS player, for those who know what that is. (laughs) And the tape started playing. (laughs) And there was this cartoon. And there was this guy with this spiky hair. Everybody knows who Goku is if you watch anime. But... I'm like, okay, this is different. I'm still very stressed out and nervous, but I'm going to sit like very far away from this guy on this sofa and watch this. 
and they were speaking Japanese. I'm like, I like this, but I don't get it all of the way. So after we had our little, I guess, first little weird meetup, uh, he would come over frequently and he would bring Japanese cartoons. And then he bought like Sailor Moon and all of these other things that I'd never heard of from overseas. And with me being in such a toxic environment that he did not know about, that became freeing for me. He had no idea what type of chains he unlocked just by being this very tall guy sitting miles away from me on the sofa sharing these uh, little bits of cartoons that he liked. So um, with that being my happy space, it was easy for me to start picking up on voices and, oh, guy, and all these other things would just like stick in my head as a happy space. So the hard part came when I had to try to learn the language because I wanted to watch everything in this raw format. Some things came in English, but they the mouth didn't move with the the way it was supposed to. You know, it was like those old Kung Fu movies. And I was just like, I don't like this at all. So um, I started to research Japanese and hiragana and all the other stuff. And I'm like, this stuff is kind of easy to read. But I found out that it was based off of Mandarin and Chinese. So it made me have to go look at other languages. And then after a while, I was like, let's just see what France like. What, What do they speak like? What is is it still airy and like is it cute and kawaii or is it different so i just really picked up on something that i like and it helped me to connect with so many other people because when i would meet them i would just understand what they were saying and they just like how do you know what i'm saying like if you didn't say anything bad you don't have anything to worry about (laughs) we can be besties but i'm always like that secret agent in the corner i speak several languages so when people walk in the room they never know which one it is and if i'm in a business or a corporate setting i've seen that be used a lot like people will just put me in the corner so that i can see if someone from another country is really serious about because they'll always have their associates you know everybody walks in with their associates and they're just speaking they may be talking about dunkin donuts or they may be talking about how stupid the corporation is I, I just, just like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just letting you, you know, go and flow because I already know somebody's going to say, Kellen, is she in the AIC? And I'm going to say, I don't know. Just don't get on her bad side because she will know. What <laughs> to do. She will know what to do with you. Um, I am not. <laughs> you know, I am that, not. Okay. Okay. And that she caught that, let you guys know that maybe she is because um, some people say, what did you say? But folks who don't (laughs) get it, if you know, you know, it's not that hard. It's not rocket science. Now with (laughs) with the various languages, which one is your favorite? I know that's a unfair question, but I got to ask. English, because it really translates all over the globe. I don't have to worry about Uh, anything too much my passport is blue and everybody recognizes that so once I start to speak English even if they don't speak it well they try and it's fun for them like okay so uh, thank thank you thank you very much like yeah you you said it you did it thank you yay you know (laughs) so everybody wants to learn it and it's just uh, a blessing to be able to have something that everybody wants and be able to help them. Everybody wants to learn English. I don't care where you go on this earth. 
So it's really fun. I like English. And I like the the London version of it, the British version. <laughs> it sounds pretty to me. I know I didn't say that properly, but it's fine. <laughs> no, but if you, you know, thought about it for two seconds, you could do it in your British accent, I'm sure. And <laughs> I won't put you on the spot like this is um, entertainment hour. But I do. I do. I, I love when you just gave them just a snippet of you know the, the asian um I, yeah this is why i, I won't even try to mimic it because it will be offensive because i know nothing but you know uh nihao kayan um oh my gosh no what in the world okay <laughs> well that's good enough <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah that, that's the, with the heavy american accent we do a, <laughs> a heavy accent speak american but um <laughs> Now, you have been able to work with great companies like the African Diaspora, like the Kellogg Company. Talk about, you know, the working with such big corporations like Kellogg and, you know, versus working with smaller organizations where, you know, you can get to the top in one phone call. Which do you prefer? Both. I genuinely just love people. So wherever I can go, where the people are. That's where I go. And I don't know how I walk into every situation and I just sit next to the CEO or I sit next to the chief officer. I, I don't know how. I can't explain it, but I genuinely always, I don't, I, there's no ladder. There is genuinely no ladder. A lot of people are like, I have to climb so hard to get to this ladder. No, I have to make sure that I stay in my lane and that I do the best that I can be me. Now that's hard because I'm my own competition and I've always been that way. I never really try to equate myself to anyone else, but generally when it comes to working on teams, I just love the team spirit and um, I love seeing things progress. So if there's uh, some type of a roadblock or something, I like helping solve things so that they can get through it. And I also love seeing business increase and revenue increase just because I know that other people can be blessed because of it. None of it is a selfish motive or anything like that. I genuinely just love to give and I love to be around people and people inspire me just because of who they are and their own situations and whatever they've gone through. So, yeah, I hope that answered that. No, it answered that. And this next question is going to help those graphic designers right now saying, wow, those are some great companies. Um, how do you connect? And also for the, the person who said, oh, I'm looking for a graphic designer. Just know you got to have your price right because Jasmine has a premium rate, which I loved when I saw I saw the prices when you shared because I wanted to talk about you, but I always want to talk about you with the right people. So if you don't have, you know, a $50 package, I want someone to know now, I can't even tell you about this person, but let's go into how you first got work and then how you scaled it up to say, you know what? I don't have a $50 package. I have a 5,000 and up package for you and how that works. So how did you first, you know, start getting work as a graphic designer? Because many people can't even get over that hurdle. College is a nice place. So college, I am sorry, I'm about to air my people's business out. People started using my brain at a very young age. I used to pay people. No, people used to pay me actually to do their homework and their assignments. And 
it wasn't a little bit of money. So I never understood why they would offer me so much, but who would turn down? Would you turn down like thousands of dollars and you're a college student and people are just like, I just need for you to handle this because you're real smart. I don't know why you're so smart, but if you could do this for me, I won't tell anybody. And I got some friends. <laughs> so you just, you, you handle this and then they got some money too, but you got to charge them more than me because, you know, I'm, I'm putting them on to you. I'm like, okay. Like a lot of things in my life has just been like, okay, you guys, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> okay. So after that happened, word spread about my art the same way. I'll pay you this amount of money if you create this for me. Um, I think it started off for a biker gang. They wanted some type of an insane clown. I don't know. So I was just like, okay, well, uh, let me try to think of a price. They were like, you don't have to think about it. Like, we'll give you about 5000 just to do this. So I was like, oh, that's great. Okay. So um, when it came down to pricing for me, people came to me with the price because they heard that I'd done great work. And they would always have something that was in the thousands. So I had never been uh, $100 to me was just like unfathomable. When I found out that there were graphic designers who were getting that and they were okay with it, I was confused. But, you know, um, as far as getting uh, the jobs and people reaching out to me and all of that, once they spoke to me, maybe once or twice, they're just like, once again, we just want you around. We don't even care if you come in with guns blazing and you want to get everything done and all that. Like we we're good. We just really want you around our, our people. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was just really a blessing to see that people gravitated to me, even though I wasn't doing anything as far as I was concerned. But I would say to those graphic designers who are putting in their work, that's a lot of work. We are paid to make things look simplistic, but you have to take your brain power and mash it together with something that will look intriguing. You have to make it marketable and you have to use the color trends of today. You can't use something from the 1980s. You know, you have to really just be focused and on top of things. And people usually don't want to pay for that. My advice would be to always make sure that you're getting your day's worth because I've seen artists work blood, sweat, and tears are just like pouring from their eyes and from their face. And they're just like, I've worked on this all day and I just got $50 for it. I'm like, well, uh, do you intend to keep getting $50 for it? Like you could get more, but I won't force you. But yeah, it's usually just um, artists don't feel like they're good enough. And I think a lot of people profit off of that because of that whole, I don't think that it is good. I, I'm not a real, 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 real artist. I don't have these clients. And I'm like, that's never been the case. If your work is good, people will pay for it. So, and if they don't want to, that's fine as well. Like find someone else. <laughs> and, and the fact that, you know, you mentioned, I, I love this, a biker gang. Now I know something <laughs> about it. Um, so I'm like, wait, a biker gang with an insane clown. I know that the juggalos have the insane clown, oh, but man. also Hell Angels, if you're talking, and I mean, they are, you know, top of the top when it comes to outlaw gangs. Do you remember which one it was? And if you don't, that's fine. You know, I don't. I don't remember which one it was. 
but but how did they come to you? Because you know, people are, I'm sure they told you this. Being so positive, you have to have a dark side, right? And it's okay to have a dark side. You just have to know that when your dark side is coming out. And it's, <laughs> I want to repress it right now, because yes, I could, like in the words of Clint Eastwood, a great American hero, you know, shoot you in the face right now and sleep like a baby. But I won't. Because I know that's not going to help me in the long run. So how did you get connected to a biker gang? How do they even get close to you? People have uncles. So if I draw and they actually pay for my drawing and they take it home, or if I've done a mural in a baby's room, or if I have done something a lot milder, I don't know how people can see it, but they're just like, you know what, who, who did this? And what's their number or their address? Because it was back in the day when I started. They used to come to my door. So um, <laughs> I had a lot of strange men. Knock on. That sounds so messed up. Edit that out. <laughs> but I had so many strange men knock on my door in my lifetime and ask me to do things for them. And um, after that incident with my brother, who I'd never met, I was okay with strange men knocking on my door. So, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, but it makes sense because, and I tell people this, I say there's nothing that you can do to me that hasn't already been done. And other folks can attest and be like, you know what? You're not going to put me in a weird position and I know how to fight. And and let me let me say this because this is always a teachable moment. And I've said this on the show before where, my kids, two daughters, LondonInCity.com, they don't play house. Ain't nobody the mama, the daddy. Ain't no, I don't care, cousins, friends, whatnot. Ain't nobody taking the big, you know, thing of the box of the refrigerator and no, ain't no shower time. Ain't no house, period. It ain't happening at all in this house. Don't care who it is. Don't care, you know, kids will be kids. Nope, it's a new dimension. We're in the twilight zone, right? And we've been in it. So, for me, I have my daughters do jujitsu prior to COVID. They had to do it three days a week because if someone's in between your legs and you're on your back, I want you to know how to get that sucker off of you, mm-hmm. you know, and don't be nice. Um, but to have people, strange people knock on your door and you've already been violated at a young age, some people get very numb to it. Some people, you know, it's almost like how Muslim women are um, have their, um, what is it, the, the surgery. Um, you know, not by force, the, uh, oh, yeah. force. you yeah. know, not by force. So you're not scared. And something tells me you do know how to, you know, defend yourself, scratching eyes and all that at this point. But how does, what do parents right now look for? Because you were young, you know, um, and you, you were violated, but what should parents be looking for? Aunties be looking for so that does not happen. And then I want to know, what did it take to like, you know, get your mind right? Because some will say your mind can never be right when you see certain trauma or when you do certain things, you know, you're just, it's constantly day by day, like an, uh, a drug addict. So those are two questions in one and take your time to answer. Them. All right. So I will say that I did go to the adults as uh, some would say, you know, whenever something happens, you go and you tell an adult and they'll fix it. I went to the adults. The adults said, you're a freaking liar. Get out of my face. You liar. Why would they do that to you? So I was left with that. 
<laughs> so what I'll say is that um, sometimes parents are or guardians, I'm sorry about that, parents or guardians are not really wise enough to know what to do in those situations. So they will say either, you know, the kid is lying or they just don't really know how to process it. Or sometimes they feel so much guilt that they're just like, hey, it already happened. So, you know, well, I will say if you are dealing with something like that, that has happened, you must really take that child to the doctor and to the therapist as soon as possible. But to look for warning signs, that child will back away when that person enters that room. They will just like something in that child's spirit will just be like, okay, I know what could happen. It may not happen because there are other people around, but watch for those two steps back. And all of us who've really gone through trauma can probably vouch and just say, look for the steps back. <laughs> look for the one, two. Like, why are you getting smaller? Because that's how this person is making me feel when they're walking in the room. I feel tiny and I'm literally um, showing you physically what I'm going through emotionally since I can't really articulate it. That's one thing. The second thing to look for is the nervousness. The I used to bite my what do you call these things? Fingertip, fingernails. That's those. I used to bite my fingernails until they bled. And that was my anxiety because I was going through so much and I couldn't tell anyone. And all I would get from those who were around me, even teachers, like, oh my god, that's gross. That, yeah, yeah, blah, blah. How, how dare you just like, are you a cannibal? Why are you eating your nails? <laughs> and no one really would address what could possibly be causing that issue with me. So I'll say to those who are um, uh, with children in the house, look at the nails, look at the nervous fidgeting, the the playing, the fiddling of the hands a lot, a lot of like uh, shaking the leg and tapping of the foot, just a nervous energy that should not be around a child who's innocent. Now, some children are the exception and they're just nervous spirited, but if they weren't always that way and then something just triggered something, Look for that nervous energy, something going on with their body, because that was a form of self, um, self-harm self that I was really causing to myself because I didn't really know what to do. And also the weight gain. A lot of a lot of people just say, well, my child's plump or why won't my child go outside? Why won't my child play? Or they just like they did with me sometimes. You're just getting so overweight. You need to stop eating so many Fruit Loops. You need to stop eating so many Pop Tarts. Like I can't buy, I can't eat them if they're in. Like you're buying them for me, and you're telling me not to eat. But eating became a form of self medication for me. And a lot of children. I had a friend. Sorry, sorry, friend. Um, her son was getting very hefty, and she was so angry. But she was also in a very toxic relationship abusive relationship and he being the only young man in the house he didn't know how to really deal with it because it was with his father so who do you choose he didn't know what to do so he started to eat a lot and a lot of that is basically to if things got really really bad he could possibly pin his dad up against the wall and let his mom run free and he was trying to get that weight on him. And as for me, I was trying to get the weight on me to keep people off me as well. So that became a lifelong struggle between food and myself because it's not a drug. You can't get off of it like you can do, I guess, like crack, cocaine, go to rehab with food. You still have to eat. 
And you have to just be able to have self-discipline and know what to eat and when to eat. So when I was young, I'm skinny in comparison to how big I used to be. I was 300. I don't know. I was a I was a hefty young lady. I was a very heavy young lady. But that was to keep the people off me, to keep people from questioning me, to create something that would make people want to turn away and not possibly do certain things to me. And I also mentioned that I was kidnapped. And when I was kidnapped, the FBI had to become involved. And the first thing I noticed is that maybe, you know, a kid doesn't think clearly, y'all. So I thought that if I was heavy, nobody could pick me up. So that's <laughs> that's another reason why, you know, I would just eat. And oh, my God, cereal used to be my best friend. There were nothing but chemicals and sugar. But they put the weight on fast. And I noticed it even though I was a child. So I'll also say if your child is experiencing some type of trauma, maybe they're just being bullied at school. Maybe it's uh, someone who's actually uh, touched them physically. Could be anything. Look for the weight gain as well. That's also a form of self-harm. And, you know, abusers, they know what they're looking for whether you are skinny or fat. So I want people to just know, like I've worked in mental health and I work with CPS and for CPS and I've just seen it. And everything that you said, like when mothers don't believe their children, it's almost like your relationship isn't going to work out either way. So you might want to do more investigating to the child because let's say the child is lying, which I don't even know if I've seen a case where a child lied. Maybe they look deeper into something out of hundreds and hundreds of cases. But your relationship still is going to be toxic because that child's telling you they're uncomfortable for whatever reason. So listen to the children. And if your child is a liar and lying on everybody and you can prove that somehow, I don't know how, then you have another issue. Because I've worked in a psych ward, too. And I've seen kids who they can make up all type of stuff, but it's always from some trauma that they had in the house. You know, um, nobody wants to be in a psych ward as a five year old and up. Um, it, it, it's just it, it's it's amazing how just believing or listening to kids. They just want to be heard. Now that we've given you guys all that great positive game, which it is positive because it can stop abuse in the future if you know what you're looking for. Um with all the success that you've had and the best is yet to come, what is a community give back that you are doing or that you plan to do in the future? So there's a food bank and it travels from city to city in Atlanta. It's called the Harvest of Wellness. And I just try my best to push vegetables on the community only because of what I've gone through. And I noticed that uh, if listen, I live in the South. Okay. And um, there's a butter thing that happens whenever vegetables are nearby, people put butter and lard and ham hocks and grease and it, it makes everything delicious. Okay. But it also takes away from the fact that it's a vegetable. So I figured that I could just kind of like maybe teach a healthier way to do it. So I went crazy trying to learn about different types of quinoa and grains and wild rice. And I'm like, maybe you could mix this in with like butternut squash and have it. Sometimes it doesn't go too well. Okay. But um, the cities have always welcomed me in with open arms to be able to um, just come and 
give away vegetables and give away food. I want to do that on a larger scale, but I have to kind of map that out because I have so much other stuff going on. So that's my give back number one. The second one is kawaii culture and anime culture. Oh my gosh, I don't know how to separate myself from it because it was such a happy point in my life with the Japanese cartoons and all that. So now it's weaved into my DNA. And whenever I try to get away from it, I get tethered right back in. So there are a lot of different things that I do within the community that helps children get into anime and they absolutely love it right now. And I have to stay on top of the new anime and there are a couple of expos and things that are happening that I actually have my hands in that um, I'm bringing the community into. So it's really cool to just see how things that made me feel bright and happy as a child can still resonate with me as an adult. So I still try to feel like I've never really grown, grown up. I, I don't know what that even is. I guess that's that like Walt Disney whimsy type thing where it's just like, I'm old, but whatever. I'm still a kid. We're all kids. But yeah, I basically try to just um, give back in any way that I can. And I'm one of those other people who just pass out money in the community because I feel like it. So probably not the wisest thing being a woman walking around like that, but no one. I try to do it. Um, you know, hand to hand, you know, like a, a drug deal. <clears throat> but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how that's how it should be. And, and you know, that's a and, and I'll let me tell you folks, I have heard private conversations with Jasmine, and she has some of the most amazing conversations. And you know, I, I'll just leave it at that with people and connection. Like it, it, it's, it's a God's gift. I mean, that's what it is. You can't buy that. You can't train it. I don't care if you're a John Maxwell speaker or if you're a Les Brown, you know, certified trainer. It's a God given gift that she really has. And, you know, I can hear someone say, Kellen, I want you to go more into the kidnapping. No, we're saving that for her podcast. And and when the own network wants to reach her, you know, I got to save something for Oprah and 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 Jasmine. So let's 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 end it by telling people what are your plans for this year and next and beyond, because there's somebody who keeps bugging you to say, hey, do a podcast, do a YouTube. There's a couple people who are bugging you. So when is it going to start? OK, this year I'm going to go ahead and do it. I have decided to create this positive movement and i am just going to let god use me yes kellen is right like 15 trillion people are always on my case to start a podcast start a youtube channel start this and start that and it's just like the things that would happen to me when i was younger where people would encourage me to do things and just bring things to me and i'm just like well okay okay i mean i'll, I'll try and it's the same concept. <laughs> I will certainly be doing that podcast and I will allow people to uh, just chat with me and we'll have uplifting conversations. And what I want to see is I want to see more people live their dreams and not be hindered by their past. And I don't care what their background is. I don't care where they come from. It's not just about investing in corporate stuff. I do all that. Who cares? That stuff is just going to pass away. But what people do and how you make people feel will last for forever. So I want to have a podcast where people can just pour it all out on the table. We can sort through it. Okay. 
and then they can go ahead, gather up those pieces and make something phenomenal, make something great. So the podcast is coming, you guys. I will be back probably on the show just because there will probably be a need to come back. <laughs> so podcast is coming. Uh, things in the community having to do with anime culture. I have a lot of great things in the works with the youth. So that means my 20-year-olds and my 16-year-olds have all just come up with these great ideas. I know the people. So I'm like, okay, let's make it happen. And a lot of things have been um, set to move forward. So yes, a lot of positivity, a lot of uh, animation. And um yeah, that that's really all I want is just for positivity to move forward. So we may call it um, the positivity movement or maybe major positivity. I think that's what it is. I think that's what I settled on. Major positivity, like a soldier of positivity, because it's going to be hard. You're going to fight. You're going to have to fight mentally, <laughs> spiritually, emotionally. And we, we're not going to, you know, lay hands on people unless we're praying. But yeah, for the most part, that's that's all. That's all. Just greatness, goodness. And um, yeah, for anybody who's listening, know that if I went through all of that and I can still be head up, strong, focused, you can do the same thing. It's an option. You can pick up tragic memories and just keep on focusing on those things or you can get yourself some therapy okay read yourself some books learn who you are and who you want to be and be that change and just pour light wherever you go it's up to you whether you want to let god use you or you just want to sit in the darkness so that's that so i hope we can catch jasmine in person at one of the uh conferences like the florida supercon or the UltraCon or whatever when you make it down to south florida but until then and until her podcast comes out folks <laughs> you have gotten the game make sure if you do nothing else that you share this game with someone else to inspire somebody else it costs you nothing jasmine i thank you for coming on and blessing us with the game oh it's been my pleasure anytime anytime Are you tired of the violence, tired of the injustice, police brutality, rampant discrimination, lack of gun control in this failed by a socioeconomic experiment called America? Or maybe you need a break from the relentless grind and want to regain control of your destiny, your wealth, your health, and your purpose. DiversifiedGame.com has the right course for you. Prepare for my first trip to Africa. Looking to reconnect with your roots, start a new business, or just a fresh start. Africa, aka the motherland, is waiting. Don't let the Chinese and the Mazungus have the fun and also take over the motherland. From Cairo to Mombasa, from Dakar to Cape Town, Africa has something for everyone from business opportunities to the most amazing people, safety, leisure, and landscapes. So opportunities abound. It is time for the diaspora to reconnect with their roots. Time to reconnect with the birthplace of humanity. Africa is the last frontier. Get your head in the game and reclaim your legacy. The writing is on the wall. Babylon is falling. Give up the stress, grind, and violence inflicted on our people on this continent and prepare for a journey of restoration and joy by connecting with the land of your ancestors. Check out our new course and kick off your adventure at diversifiedgame.com.
Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.